Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Church, that's where it all starts. It all starts with his grace, which is amazing. His love is amazing. The testimonies that you have of what the Lord has done, that is God's grace on display. And it's real. I asked you this morning, what are you worried about? God is able. What keeps you up at night? God is able. What stresses you out? God is able. Come on, somebody. What are you fearful of? God is able. What bothers you? God is able. What are you so afraid of? Our God is able. God is able. Yeah, but tomorrow I got. No, no, no. God is able. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Isn't it so good to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. To feel his presence, to be with people of like precious faith amen worshiping a worthy god amen he is worthy of all praise amen amen as you're standing go ahead and grab your bibles and turn with me to the book of second corinthians chapter 9 Thank you for the invitation to come back and preach. (laughs) I think it was March (laughs) the last time. I mean, we have been busy. Uh, So many exciting things going on in the church and uh, just thankful to be a part of every step of this journey. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter nine. We're going to start in verse five. The Bible says, therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Amen. I just want to talk to us just for the next little bit on this simple title of treasure. Treasure. Would you lay your Bible down and help me pray in this place? Lord, we love you today. God, we're so honored, so thankful to be in your house, Lord, standing in your presence. God, we ask you right now, God, to open up our ears, open up our hearts, Lord. Help us to receive every word, everything that you have for us today, God. I pray that you would release your anointing in this place, God. Help us, encourage us, and we'll be careful to give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated today. Amen. What an, what an amazing time it is to be a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. Living in the end times, uh, these last hours, as we look forward to the rapture of the church, I believe that there are some very exciting things still going on in the church today. Amen. It's uh, just so, such an exciting time. I believe that God is building an army in these last hours, and I'm thankful that Landmark is going to be a part of that army. Um, we're entering into a different kind of season, different than anything we've ever experienced before, and uh, it got me thinking about uh, this day uh, in particular um, as we are getting ready to launch our capital campaign, and we're going to see what we can do and what the Lord will do um, and it got me thinking, and I was thinking about, uh, you know, I, I love, I know it's not Christmas season, but that's my favorite season. It, it's already, eight, it's almost May. Can you believe it? It is almost May. Here we are in 2019. I love the Christmas seasons, the giving season, and, and that's kind of the season that we're getting ready to enter into. I was thinking about this, Easton is in first grade, and and uh, in, in kindergarten and first grade both, there was this uh, thing, it's kind of leaving my mind right now, where he would go and he would get to pick out gifts for everyone in the family. He would get to go and buy a gift. Of course, it was me giving him money to go buy a gift for me. But, you know, dad life, we're, we're, we get it. And uh, so... Uh, I get to go one time and kind of walk through and, and help him and give him some pointers. And it was really interesting to me how he would walk through and he would be so conscious of, you know, what what somebody would like, you know. And he would he would think of different gifts for you and different gifts for my wife and, and his nana sitting here on the second row. And he would, you know, think, what would they like, you know. And then uh, he would find them something. I believe he got you like a back scratcher or something at one time. And... <laughs> And he, uh, he, he bought Mallory a coffee cup because she loves coffee. And, and then it was really funny when he, when he got to me uh, because it was like, you know, he bought this gift for me and kind of like, here, Dad, this is for you. But it's kind of like, no, this is for you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Where your kids buy something for somebody, but it's really they're buying it for themselves. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? And you can't really like, you know, get on to them or anything like that. You're like, thankful, buddy. But, you know, I think, why don't you, why don't you play with this or something? Like, I think that you would like this gift. And, you know, I'm thankful that he was thinking of good old dad and everything. But it was kind of funny to watch him pick out gifts for me. But it was more in line with his taste and what he enjoyed and what he liked to do. And it got me thinking about, you know, today and, and you know, the scriptures that we read today. And it got me thinking about myself and the kind of giver that, that I want to be in this life and on this Christian journey. And I thought to myself, I don't want to be a kind of giver that gives with an agenda. One that gives with the idea of getting something out of it. I don't want to 
give to get, but I want to give to give. Giving to be generous. Giving because you're a giver. Paul in this letter we're looking at this morning is writing to the Corinthian church and it's a Corinthian church that he has been very involved in but between the writing of 1 Corinthians and today we're in 2 Corinthians there's been a bit of a relational breakdown uh, uh, between Paul and the church and in fact the Corinthian church they had other teachers that came in and they said you know Paul is not a good guy Paul is not a legit pastor Paul is just after your money and you don't need to follow after Paul and, and, and so so Paul, uh, you know, hears about this, and, and, and so Paul writes 2 Corinthians, and these he is restoring his relationship with the church, and I find it very interesting that he only takes 13 chapters in this restoration letter, but two of them he dedicates completely to the teaching on money the teaching on money. He wants to reiterate to the Corinthian church that God actually has a plan for their money. And he says in verse five, he says, look, I'm sending guys ahead. They're preparing because a year ago, you said that you were going to send them money to the city in Jerusalem to the Christians that were in Jerusalem because at the time there were many Christians there and, the, and, and they were being persecuted and they were being scattered and their homes were being taken and they were going out of business and people were stealing from them. And a year before this, the Corinthians had heard about what was happening and they said, hey, let's collect some money and let's send it and they never did it. And so Paul says, hey, I want you to finish what you started. I want you to finish what you said you were going to do. But here's the big idea. He says, I'm going to send guys ahead because by the time I get there, he says, I don't want this to be an exaction. That's what Paul is saying. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 5, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty. That means as a willing gift and not of covetousness. It says not as an exaction. Does everybody know what an exaction is? You know what an exaction, an exaction is something that you feel that you have to give and you give it with expectation that it will either be returned or something good will be done for you. That's an exaction. In other words, I'm going to scratch your back and you scratch my back. By the way, that's not generosity. That's called a partnership or a business deal. Okay, and Paul is saying, I'm not looking for a business deal. He says, I don't want to show up. And if your delay for a year of giving money is because you don't actually want to give it. But if you do give it, you expect these Jerusalem Christians to somehow pay you back. Paul said, that's not what I'm after here. Paul is saying, I don't want it to go down like that. I want them to prepare because I want this to come out of the generosity of your heart. And then he goes on, Paul says this, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly. And whoever sows abundantly will reap abundantly. And then he says this, God loves. 
a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful Now that is a big statement. That is a major statement. God loves. Paul is telling us that God, it thrills God. Now I know that, that God loves everyone in this place this morning. How many of you are thankful for the love of God? God loves everyone under the sound of my voice, even those that aren't here today. God loves them. Every single person in this church today is of value before God. But what Paul is alluding to here is that there is a special thrill, if you will, that the eternal God gets when we, his creation made in his likeness, delight. In giving. God gets a thrill. God loves a cheerful giver. You know why? Because he sees himself in you when you give cheerfully. God loves cheerful giving. He takes notice of it. He never misses a dollar that's given away from this posture of delight, from this posture of I love to give. I love it. He loves giving to give, not giving to get, but giving to give. Why? Why does God love a cheerful Giver. I want to share with you this morning just some ideas, just a few thoughts on why I believe God loves a cheerful giver, why he loves cheerful giving. Most scholars agree that this is the most detailed power-packed passage on the subject of money and how Christians should handle their money. This is it. This is the pinnacle. Two entire chapters that Paul dedicates to talk about money. And it is my desire to make the most of our time that we have here on Sundays and Wednesdays. And I want to talk to us this morning about things that happen in our everyday life. Because I believe that God is interested in our everyday life. Now, if you're new here this morning and you think it might be a little awkward to come to church and to talk about money, isn't it interesting that one of the most awkward things to talk about in church is money and it's on our minds a lot. Can I get an amen? It's on our minds a lot. But can I tell you, God has a plan for your money. God has a plan for your resources. God has a plan for what you have. He has a plan for it. If you have a lot, if you have a little, or if you have something in between, God has a plan for it. Okay. Now, if you're here this morning, you're already thinking, all right, Bryce, I want to be a cheerful giver. I, I, I want to be a cheerful giver. Well, listen, to be a cheerful giver is very, very simple. It means that you delight. You get a thrill. You enjoy giving things away. You enjoy it. Paul goes on. He says, and that, he says this, now I don't want to give it, don't give it grudgingly. I don't want someone to have to twist your arm. He's saying, I don't want, you know, uh, I don't want a sob story to manipulate you into giving something that, you know, somehow it will make you feel better to give. No, he said, I want you to be a cheerful giver. Cheerful. Now, if you have any small desire at all to be a cheerful giver, 
I want to give you some points that will help you develop into an actual cheerful giver. Now prepare yourself because if you begin to develop into somebody who delights, who gets a thrill out of giving, you, you, you got to prepare yourself because you're going to have more friends than you know what to do with. <laughs> yeah. Hey, buddy. What's going on, man? Prepare yourself. Because as you develop into a cheerful giver, you need to recognize you're going to have a lot of people. There's nothing like being around someone who's generous. There's nothing like being around somebody who's generous. You never know what they're going to do. You never know what they're going to give away. You never know, are they going to pick up the bill? You just never know. I want to remind you this morning that this idea of cheerful giving, it is the pathway to more joy, to more peace, to, to, to uh, more happiness than maybe you are currently experiencing. You will be far happier giving than receiving. A cheerful giver. Do you want to be one? Number one, cheerful givers understand this. Cheerful givers understand this. God is a cheerful giver. God is a cheerful giver. The reason why God loves cheerful givers is because God is a cheerful giver. And we are made what? In his image. And when God sees a cheerful giver, he sees himself in you and it thrills him. Why? Because God is a cheerful giver. What does the Bible say? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he died for you and he died for me. God is a cheerful giver. And somebody said, praise the Lord. All right. 2 Corinthians 9.15. This is how these two chapters on money end. It's kind of interesting to me. 2 Corinthians 9.15. It's the last verse how the two chapters on money end. Paul says this. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Another version says this. Thank God for his inexpressible gift. Inexpressible. Before we go any further, I want to say this. It is imperative for us to understand that our generosity does not stem from ourselves. It does not come from within us. We are not naturally prone to be generous. It's just not who we are. But we're talking about generosity, and it is simply responding to a God who has already been so generous. He said, thanks be to God for the unspeakable gift. Church, that's where it all starts. It all starts with his grace which is amazing his love is amazing the testimonies that you have of what the Lord has done that is God's grace on display and it's real it's real the things that you stand upon the things that God has done in your life the testimonies of look what the Lord has done that is the grace of God on display And so here we are this morning, and we're talking about money. We're talking about dollars. We're talking about cash. It's 
That's what we're talking about. But you know where your perspective on money and dollars starts? It all starts at what he's done. That's where our perspective starts. His grace is amazing. He said, thanks be to God for the unspeakable gift. What is the unspeakable gift? What is the inexpressible gift? It is for God so loved the world that he gave. God is a cheerful giver. I got four people that believe that with me. God is a cheerful giver for God so loved that he gave I've heard people say before well I don't I don't have enough I don't have enough to give I don't I don't I don't make enough to give I'm not able to give but if the Lord will wait 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 are you talking about the same Lord who gave himself for you Are you talking about the same God who robed himself in flesh and became a man just like you and I? Are you talking about that same Jesus? See, church, here's the deal. You and I, we can give from an overflow and we can also give from a lack. But I give not because to get, not because I believe in giving and tithing. No, 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 no. I believe in Jesus Christ who is a cheerful giver and because he has cheerfully delighted in giving me life and putting his name on me and filling me with his spirit and preparing a place for me eternity. I'm going to take these temporary pieces of paper and I'm going to express my gratitude. God loves a cheerful giver. Go back with me to 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 7. This is is amazing. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Paul says, therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, he says this, see that ye abound in this grace also. God loves a cheerful giver because he's a cheerful giver. Paul's like, he says, Paul's like, you're really good at faith. You're really good at your Bible reading. You excel in those areas. He says, but I want you to abound or excel. Please hear his word, excel. I want you to excel. Paul's saying, I want you to be excellent. I want you to be far beyond average in what? In what, Paul? In this act of grace. In this act of grace. Do you know what he is calling an act of grace? Giving. Giving. He says the giving of your money. He gives it a title. It is an act of what? Grace. Somebody say grace. Grace. 
What is grace? It is the essence of the good news about Jesus. He is saying that our giving should be an act of response to what God has already given to you and to me. That, my friends, is an act of grace. And let me just say this about this church. I believe that we are going to abound in this act of grace. I believe that we are going to excel in this act of grace. And trust me, it's not going to be an act of your own willpower, but it will be an act of an attitude of gratitude. It will be an act of gratefulness, an act of grace when we say, hey, I just want to respond to what the Lord has already done for me and my family. I just want to respond to Calvary this morning. I want to respond to the love that he's already shown me. I want to respond to it. Now, if you if you look big picture and the whole idea behind 2 Corinthians, most scholars will tell you that the whole letter, it's a letter of encouragement. And the big idea that Paul is trying to tell these Corinthians who, had, who he had a relationship with, the relationship broke down, now it's being restored. And, and he's trying, what he's trying to say, he's trying to tell them this. Hey, here's the pathway to encouragement. This is what it is. He said, I want to encourage you, and you're going to be encouraged. And in the middle of his letter, he's going to take two chapters to say this, uh, to say this giving. If you'll actually uh, give, you'll actually be encouraged. He says, you might be discouraged but you're going to be encouraged if you act grateful with your finances. He says this, a year ago you said you were going to give. You haven't given. He said, I want you to follow through on that because you're really good at singing and you're really good at Bible reading and you're really good at praying and, and, and you know how to do those things. You're really good at getting involved, but I want you to excel in giving your money away. I want you to excel at it. That's literally what's being said. Now, I just want to say to everyone here today, if you brought a guest, it's not every Sunday that we teach and preach on giving. The other Sundays are about receiving. Just kidding. Just kidding. I was really trying to get you guys going today. Everybody's like, I'm coming next Sunday. But there is time and place in Scripture. And we are entering into that season of giving with a, with a new building that we are, and we, we just can't wait until it goes up. And I remind you that giving is a very powerful and spiritual act of worship. It is a powerful and spiritual act of worship. I want to challenge you today. Are you good at witnessing? Are you good at being a good example to your coworkers? Are you good at reading your Bible and fasting? I believe that we are also expected to be excellent at giving. You will be encouraged. Why? Because you're going to look like him. Isn't that the goal of the Christian? We want to look like him. You're going to look like him in this act of grace. Because you're going to, God is a cheerful giver. You know why God delights in giving? You know why? Because he loves us so deeply. For God so loved that he did what? Gave. He gave. And that brings us to the all-important point. That what you love, 
you give to. What you love, you give to. What you love. I'll even turn it around. If you don't love something that you want to love, give to it. And see if you don't start loving it. Get, oh, Bryce, I don't know if I believe all that. You know, you know. start giving to it. It will, it, it, it will probably start piquing your interest just a little bit. If you start giving to it. Start giving to it. And where your treasure goes, your heart follows. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8.8. 8. He says this, I say this not as a command. By the way, you're not commanded to give. You're invited to give. Okay? You're invited. It's not a command. You're invited to give. A comma, to prove by the earnestness of others, listen to this, that your love is genuine. Ouch. Ouch. Paul, take it easy. Paul says this. He says, a year ago, you was going to give money to the Christians that you say you love in Jerusalem, and you didn't. So I'd like you to prove that you love them. Well, Paul, we're praying for them. He says, that's good. You're really good at that. You're good at those prayers. You're good at doing those things. And he says, um, you said you would send cash, and you didn't. And you need to start. You need to, you need to send it to them so that you can prove. Prove. That you love them. I, I can just imagine the Christians, uh, Paul, we're just getting kind of back on good terms here, man. Uh, this is supposed to be a restoration letter, and, uh, and you want to come, come out here and say, and say these things. But this is classic Paul. Paul's not going to pull any punches. He's not going to beat around the bush. He says, you're really good at a lot of other church stuff, but you said you love these believers in Jerusalem, but you haven't sent what you said you would send. And he says, prove your love. Okay, I just want to shoot real straight with you because I love you. And please, I, this is all in love this morning. I'm preaching myself. But you give to what you love to. I can show you what you love if you just give me your bank statement. Any, any volunteers? <laughs> I can show you what you love if you give me your bank statement. I can, I, can, I can show you. Now, you'll find on my bank statement that I have somewhat of an affection for clothes. I, I love a new shirt. I love a new tie. Now, you can judge me or you can pray for me. I don't, you know. You're going to figure out real quick that I like boom chicka pop popcorn. It's on my bank statement. Okay? If you do a little bit digging, digging just a little bit deeper, you're going to find I love Jack's pizzas. They're on my bank statement. You're going to find out real quick that I love my wife and my two boys. They are on my bank statement. They were all over my bank statement. <laughs> Why? Why? Because what you love, you give to. And what you give to, 
you end up loving. Why do we give? Because we love God. Why do we give of our finances? Because we love God and we are so grateful for him and what he has done in our lives and what he plans to do. And on this journey, we are learning to love what he loves. What did Jesus say? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so I say, Jesus, if you're building a church, if you're building your kingdom, I love what you are building and I want to build what you are building. And so I'm going to give to what you're building because I love what you love. I love, I want to be a cheerful giver another thing you need to understand about being a cheerful giver number one you understand that God is a cheerful giver and number two you understand this that God is able God is able God is able that's another good statement that's another big statement let me just park there for just a moment let that statement truly set in I asked you this morning what are you worried about God is able what keeps you up at night? God is able. What stresses you out? God is able. Come on, somebody. What are you fearful of? God is able. What bothers you? God is able. What are you so afraid of? Our God is able. God is able. Yeah, but tomorrow I got. No, no, no. God is able. Yeah, but you don't know my situation. No, no, no. God is able. What's the next phrase after God loves a cheerful giver? 2 Corinthians 9, 8. What's the next phrase? God loves a cheerful giver. And the Bible also says that God is able. Let me tell you, that's not an accident. God loves a cheerful giver and God is able. Church, when you start to delight in giving, one of the reasons that you delight in giving is because you actually, maybe it's because of your history, maybe it's because of what you've been through, but you actually, you have finally come to the all-important conclusion that God is able. I'm not able, but God is able. He's able. He's able to care for us. He's a good, good father. If your earthly father knows how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask God is able some people might call you crazy some people might say you're a little, little, little loony you know giving to that church and giving those finances away and doing those things but church God is able through the fire and through the storm tragedy God is able travesty God is able trouble God is able He's able. Eventually in this life, <laughs> that's about all you got left. That God is able. I give because I'm not able, but God is able. And I trust that God's going to take care of my needs. In fact, every time I give, I'm letting my brain know and I'm letting my money know that I serve a God who is able. I need God a whole lot more than I need money. I need God a whole lot more than I need money. Look at this next verse, 2 Corinthians 9.9. 9. 
God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Look at this. The Bible says God is able. And the word all happens three times after God is able. So what is God able at? All. All. Is there anything that God is not able at? None. All. All God is able, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you're all having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. There it is. All, all, all. What's included in all? God is able to do all things. He's able to do what? All. Do you know what this verse is actually telling us? It says God is able to make all grace abound to you. All grace. You know what that means? All grace abound to you means that God's going to help you with everything that you need. All grace is kind of a generic way of saying God's got you. Everything you need. God's going to supply everything you need. God is able. So now that God's going to take care of you, his grace will abound to you. To, and then it says, comma, you'll have all sufficiency. Everybody say sufficiency. That's a fun one to say, right? That word sufficiency also means contentment. So God's going to take care of everything I need. So you're going to have all contentment. Contentment means a state of satisfaction. So you have all contentment in all things at all times. Now watch this. Comma, so that you may abound in every good work. You know what it's telling us? There are many of, in the, many of us in this room... And money is a big aspect of our less than abounding life. We get bogged down by the trivial details of lack. And our discontentment grows. Our bad attitudes grow. We grow in our consumerism. And hear me today, we're all prone to this. We can all relate, so please don't feel bad. We're all in this together. And all of a sudden, you want more, you need more, you got to have more. And the opposite of the state of satisfaction sets in. It's a state of anxiousness and greed and need and desire and jealousy and envy. And you know what it does? At the end, you don't abound in every good work. You do just what is absolutely necessary to get done. And here's what happens. You become someone who I just barely get by. I just pay my bills. I just do my job. I just take care of what I need to take care of. Bryce, I, I, I live for the weekend. And your life becomes a perpetual cycle of just enough. Just enough. I do just enough to get my job done. 
I do just enough to pay my bills. I do just enough to have a paycheck. I do just enough to have a couple friends. I do just enough to keep this relationship going. I do just enough to keep my head above water. And your whole life becomes one that is just treading water. Am I drowning? No, but almost. And it comes out in our conversations. I'm just glad to have a job. I'm just, you know, we run across those people that are so dissatisfied with life, and it's just like, ah, at least I'm going to heaven. Yeah, can't get here fast enough. And you hear that, and you're like, oh, God's good. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a little attitude of defeat sets in. And Paul is saying here, Paul's saying, I have a way. I have a practical way out of that mindset, out of that attitude, and out of that mentality. And he says, here's what's going to happen. You start giving. You start becoming a giver. And he's talking about actual finances. And he says, here's what's happened. You will trigger and set in motion this process. And God, God's going to start supplying. God's going to take care of all your needs. You're not, you're going to be all right. God's going to take care of your needs. And then all of a sudden you have a level of contentment that comes in. Not because you drive a Porsche. Settle down, everybody. It might still be your minivan. The loser cruiser. I didn't mean to point at you guys when I said that. My bad. I love your vehicle. But God takes care of your needs. Now, you, now you're covered. You cover, you cover your bills. You cover all these expenses. You have just more than enough. Might not be a lot more than enough, but more than enough. And then all of a sudden comes this really supernatural state of contentment in all things. And do you know what happens to you? You begin to abound in every good work. Every good work. You know what that means? It means that you do far more than just enough. God loves a cheerful giver because he's a cheerful giver. Because he wants you to know that he's able. And lastly, God. The Bible says this. God's a cheerful giver. God is able. And lastly, 2 Corinthians 9.10. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower. That's my last point. God gives seed to the sower. God gives seed to the sower. The Bible says he'll multiply your seed that's sown. Why is he going to multiply it? Why is he going to give you more? So that you can sow more. You see, the cheerful giver understands something about God's economy. 
Church, God's economy is transcendent. It doesn't matter where you are, what country you live in, God's economy works. If he can find a farmer that will sow seeds, he'll give you more seed so that you can sow more seed. And you'll set into motion God's economy and you will learn so much about your Savior and how generous he is and who from the beginning of time has been handing out seed to those who will sow. He gives seed to those who sow. Would you stand with me this morning? Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, It is impossible to please Him. Giving is all about the heart. It is all about faith. And if you will set it in motion, seed, sowing, and reaping, it will take you on a journey that is unlike anything you've ever experienced in this life. God supplies seed to the sower. And notice what he says. He will supply and then multiply. So you give it. He takes care of your needs, but then it will multiply. And the reason it multiplies is so you'll give more away. And he'll give it to you and you'll give more away. And he'll give it to you and you'll give more away. gives seed to the sower he's a cheerful giver he's able would you bow your head close your eyes in this place I wonder if you would just talk to the Lord just for a couple minutes here would you just ask him Lord God help me in this area I'm not here condemning anybody for anything. This, the giving of this church is, is far above average. But I wonder if we could just talk to the Lord just for a little bit. Maybe we've lost our cheerfulness when it comes to giving. It's not meant to be that way. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.